It is the Lockdown Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Bengals fans and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today we've got crossover Wednesday with John Butchko of the Lockdown Jets podcast. We're going to get started with a little bit of an update from Joe. He did not do the crossover today. Instead it is me. So we're going to start with Joe giving you some takes on Andy Dalton, the off day, and then we'll get into the crossover to wrap up the show. The Bengals are off today as Andy Dalton is expected to take over for the rest of the year and try and give the team some energy and a boost. And maybe the team's getting a little bit healthier, too, as that happens. This is the lead story for the Bengals today. I'm your host, Joe Goodberry of the Lockdown Bengals Podcast. Andy Dalton assuming the role as leader and starting quarterback of your 2019 Cincinnati Bengals. Some fans are worried. Some are worried that with the Jets, the Browns twice, the Dolphins once, the Bengals are potentially a much better team. I think everyone would agree with that than when Ryan Finley was out there. And perhaps now they may win a couple games. With a two-game lead, holding on to that first overall draft slot, it can be risky. But if you remember, Andy Dalton wasn't playing very well when he was in there. He was 0-8 as a starter for the Bengals this year. And it looked like the offense wasn't getting better anytime soon. Having said that, This team seems to be getting healthy at the right time. Alex Redmond will go on IR, and it looks like that spot will be filled with Darius Phillips, who was a very good kick returner, although they've replaced him with Brandon Wilson, who seems to be on track for the Pro Bowl as the AFC kick returner. But Phillips could help the defensive secondary that has the defense as a whole rebounded in the last two weeks, playing very well versus the Raiders and the Steelers. Getting Darius Phillips in there for maybe B.W. Webb, could be a big boost for this team. Phillips was playing really well in the preseason, and the limited snaps he got before being injured, he also was playing very good, had an interception in Buffalo. So Webb, who was attacked by the Pittsburgh Steelers, maybe you can get a little boost there, and this defense can start to formulate some type of continuity and solidify as the linebackers are playing a little bit better since Preston Brown's been out. The defensive line is healthy with a boost from Carl Lawson, the D-tackles, continue to play well. So Dark Wisdenard also can't go uh, underrated here because he's been a big help in defending the run. So the defense could get much better with the return of Phillips, but that's not the big one. The big one is A.J. Green. And when is he going to play? Is he going to play? I get a lot of comments and questions from fans that wonder if he's just sitting out. I think if you watched the telecast this week and James Lofton, Hall of Fame receiver, was talking to A.J. Green and Lofton said, He wants to play. This isn't a question. He is a football player, and football players play football. He, A.J. Green, wants to get out there when he can, but he's got to be smart about it, right? With only a few games left on his contract, he can't go out there and get hurt. He can't go out there and ruin the little bit of timetable he has left to prove that he can still play and be healthy because that would really, really damage his free agent potential if he goes out there 
and wasn't himself or was hurt again. But they did show a clip of him running some routes and some drills. He looks like he's really close. And based on the timeline, if you remember, once he had surgery in the first week of camp, it put him on a six to eight week range and potentially up to 10 weeks, which got him to about week four or five. The Bengals expected he may be able to go week six or so. And he had a setback. It was a little bit longer than that. And that added about three weeks to his timetable from some from week six to week nine, which put the Bengals into the bye week. He tried to go and get ready for week 10. He had another setback, added another three weeks. Now we're going into week 13. He should be able to start practicing this week as long as this setback wasn't way worse than the last one. I'm just going based on what he has said and what reporters have said and how it's kind of transpired over this over the course of the year. It looks like it appears he should be getting close, and if Andy Dalton is out there, maybe that gives him the boost of confidence to give it a go rather than putting his body on the line for foam dart Ryan Finley. And if A.J. Green can get out there, we know the difference in numbers for Andy Dalton. His numbers basically go from being a backup quarterback without A.J. Green to being a capable starter with him. And that's when the fear comes in, I think, of them potentially winning too many games here down the stretch. If you get John Ross back, if you've got Cordy Glenn, if the defense continues to play well, I think we look at this roster and we say, well, that's probably how we envision this season going. Even if you thought they were a bad team that maybe goes 6-10, and I don't think any expected them to go 0-16 or 1-15. So if they get healthy, if everyone starts to click a little bit, which it seems they may be able to do after the last two weeks, It could come down to that week 16 versus Miami, week 17 versus the Browns. And that's when we're going to have to check ourselves and see how we we feel about this, right? As a fan base, do we want them to win? Do we want them to look good but lose? Or do you just want them to crash and burn and hope changes come from the top? So that's your update from Joe. We'll get into the crossover here in just a minute. Guys, let's talk about sex. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up as twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Let me tell you, we get free samples, and if you think Marshawn Lynch has a good stiff arm, you've seen nothing yet. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visits, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code LOCKEDON. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Lockdown Bengals podcast. All right, we've got our crossover Wednesday going. I've got John Butchko on with me. I'm Jake Lisko from the Lockdown Bengals podcast. John representing the Jets over at Lockdown Jets. In this game has major implications for the NFL. And by that, I mean, if the Bengals lose, well, they'll keep their number one pick. And if the Jets lose, what happens, John? 
I think a lot of the positivity that's been around this team the last three weeks goes away. And you're right back to where you were a couple weeks ago after they handed the Miami Dolphins their first win. And it would just turn into a very ugly situation in New York. And I think a lot of the fans, including myself, who have been calling for Adam Gase's head and have kind of quieted over the last three weeks would pick that up again. Yeah, so we've both got first-time head coaches and both of them have to be on the hot seat a little bit. There was a time, I think three weeks ago, Joe and I were talking on the Lockdown Bengals podcast about, well, maybe they give Zach Taylor another year. At the time, this was before the Jets scored 35 points a game three weeks in a row. We were like, Adam Gase is a clear case. This guy's never been good. Fire him. What's the general feeling amongst Jets fans and Adam Gase at this point? I think it's still in general fire him, but I think it's more muted. Now it's maybe more a little wait and see. Now, one thing that you have to note is that the owner came out after the Jets beat the Giants and announced that Adam Gase is not going anywhere, either in season or after the season. He pretty much announced that he's decided Adam Gase will return in 2020. And he said that he made that decision. He announced that to the team after the Jets lost to the Miami Dolphins. So... It's. A, I mean, I think there's a lot that's been baffling about the whole Adam Gay situation, including how he was hired to begin with, because this was a guy who failed with a division rival and did not go anywhere else to be a coordinator, had no time to reflect on his failure with his divi- with a division rival. Um, so I, it was, this was a very unpopular hire at the time. And after the Jets started one and seven and again handed Miami their first win of the season, I think it says bad of a situation as you'll ever see around the first year head coach. Now he has stabilized it with three straight wins, but I still think, and I include myself in this. A lot of people are are not necessarily sold on Gase yet. It's more, okay, we'll, we'll watch this. We'll see how this progresses. But this was a, you know, this is a guy who has a track record. He has a four year track record in this league and there's been a lot more bad than good. So, you know, we need to see whether he can continue this. If he loses, to the Bengals, I think a lot of the goodwill he's built, he may have built up over the last three weeks, just disappears. And I wouldn't blame anybody for that, right? The Bengals have been a totally hapless team this year. There are a few good players still on the team. One of them hasn't played the whole year. The other one played his first game last week, and that's Cordy Glenn. So let's talk about some positives for the Jets. You scored 35 points. Again, this is the third time I've said it now, three games in a row. What has clicked? Sam Darnold is playing better. Does he have somebody to throw the ball to? I picked up Ryan Griffin for fantasy purposes last week because I had a buy for uh, for Kelsey out in Kansas City, and he scored a touchdown. But that's obviously not a threatening weapon. You've got Le'Veon Bell, the big offseason signing. He's been relatively muted from the outside from my perspective. So what's going well for this offense so far? Yeah, uh, Ryan Griffin is. Can you? Did you ever think you'd you'd, you'd say the, the phrase "I picked up Ryan Griffin in fantasy this week"? Is that ever a sentence you thought you'd say? Well, it's a twenty-team league, uh, but no, <laughs> no, I didn't. No, even even in a twenty-team league, you wouldn't think it. Um, you know, Griffin is he's producing, but he's like producing when he's not really beating anybody. Like the touchdown last week came kind of came on a a play on the one yard line where the jets rolled everybody right. And then Griffin kind of was blocking and slipped out to the left. And that was, that's kind of the way he's producing where they're scheming him open or defenses are blowing coverage and look, he's catching the footballs, but I'm not sure he's doing things in a sustainable way. I think if you're looking at who the top weapon is on this jets offense right now, it probably would be Jamison Crowder, the slot receiver. He was a the guy they brought in in free agency this year. And 
It's really developed a good uh, chemistry with Sam Darnold. As you mentioned, Bell, it's been a struggle this year. And in all honesty, even though the numbers look bad, I think a lot of it's not Bell's fault. I think Bell actually can still play in this league. The issue with the Jets is the offensive line has been a mess for most of the season. And last week, maybe they found the right combination of guys. There have been guys in and out of the lineup. And last week, I think they found the combination has probably been their best combination of the season so far. Uh, but you look elsewhere, Robbie Anderson, who's a deep threat, having a disappointing season. Demarius Thomas, who they acquired in a trade with New England uh, early in the season. He's he's OK. I mean, he's not the Demarius Thomas of Denver, though. This is not a game changing guy. It's more of a veteran in decline who can give you a solid effort now and again, but is not really a guy who's going to take over any games. And just really missed Chris Herndon, I think, who was supposed to be the starting tight end. He spent the first four games of the year suspended. Then missed about and then missed another few weeks because he got hurt near the end of his suspension. And then his first game back, he played a handful of snaps and got injured again. So he's out for the season. So I think if you're looking at the, the best weapon the Jets have, it's probably Crowder because they don't have a ton of guys who are standing a ton of guys who are standing out right now. Um, I think a lot of it's Darnold's playing well. He's spreading the ball out well. And I'll tell you, you know, Darnold came back from mono. He had a great game against Dallas. Then he had a nightmare game against New England, but if he avoids just the really stupid mistake, and I'm not talking like he misreads the coverage where he sees cover two and they throw cover three at them, and I'm not talking about like he misreads a blitzer and somebody drops, he's not expecting. I'm talking about like he's on the run, there's nobody open, and he does, just throws the ball to the middle of the field instead yeah. of throwing it away. If he avoids that, I mean, he's been pretty good. If you take those, now you can't take those plays away, of course they count, but if he just could not make the really boneheaded pass, he's actually playing pretty effectively. And he's still a young guy, so there's still some learning. And he's he's young, right? He's in his – how old is Sam Darnold? I should just ask yeah, the question. 22, and he's in his second season. And, you know, okay. I think recent surge, uh, you know, the Jets, as you mentioned, Jets have scored 34 points on the dot three straight games, which I mean, it's amazing that they hit the same score three straight games. The schedule has gotten weaker. And to me, that's not a case of, well, he's beating up on bad competition. To me, that's a case of – the Jets, you know, the Jets don't have not put a lot around him this year. This is to me, this is a case of now he actually has a fair chance because the defense just can't overwhelm the, the surroundings, uh, his surroundings. It's, it's a case where now it's actually a relatively equal battle. and Maybe the quarterback can stand out a little bit, whereas in previous weeks, the Jets offense was just so overwhelmed that I don't think any quarterback really would have had success in the Jets offense. It's interesting that he's 22 to me and. We've talked on the Lockdown Bengals podcast a lot about Joe Burrow this year, as you might have guessed. And we've talked about how, well, he's 23, or he'll be 23 by the time he's drafted anyway. He's taken this big leap forward this year. And my co-host, Joe, looked at a bunch of quarterbacks in college football and professional football. Russell Wilson, another example of this, guys that take massive leaps in their 22, 23-year-old season. So Sam Darnold, been in the league now for almost two full seasons, still has the opportunity to take the leap that Joe Burrow took this year at LSU, which is just yeah. really interesting to think about, right? It's a great point. And that's you know something that I think sometimes gets lost is that Darnold is, I mean, Darnold's as old as some college seniors are this year. Mm -hmm. um, now, I, you know, so it's a situation where, you know, you, it's not just that he's in his second season, it's that he's a young guy in his second season. And I think that that's a great point. I think it's something that sometimes gets lost. It is interesting to watch for sure. And I'm looking at the roster right now. The only rookie whose name I really recognize on the Jets offense is Chuma Adoga, who was a guy that I really liked as a late round tackle prospect. It looks like he got benched recently. 
for a new right tackle? Is am, am I looking at these snap counts right? He uh, got hurt in the last he game. He, okay. he sprained a knee. He sprained an MCL. He's been in and out of the lineup. He started the year as a backup. He got uh, he moved into the backup after their bye. They had an early bye, and he stepped into the starting lineup at right tackle. They benched Brandon Shell. He's had to slide over at points at left tackle because Kelvin Beecham got hurt. Mm-hmm. It's been. I mean, it's. I think he's a guy with potential. I liked the pick at the time, but. He's a guy who's played like a rookie this year. I, I don't think he was ready to step into the lineup. No. I think I think in some ways it was kind of ill-advised that they put him in there. Sure. Now, at, at, some, at some point, they suffered so many injuries that they had to, and so there were some games he had to play. But I think he would have been better served sitting on the bench this season. I, I think that I, I think that the, the Jets did not do him a lot of favors by throwing him in so early. This was a guy who I think needed some time to develop and refine his technique. Yeah, I, and I agree with that. From a draft perspective, I had the same opinion on Adoga. I thought that he could turn into a good player. He had some solid production, and he graded really well for PFF in college, but it looked like he was going to need some time. He has really good measurables too, right? He's really long. He's got the build, so he might just need some time. Looking at the defensive side of the ball, we spent a lot of time on offense. Not too long ago, somebody on Twitter was really trashing the Jets secondary, or at least the corners in terms of a wide receiver matchup, but the safeties are strong, led by... Jamal Adams and Brian Poole, a guy the Bengals brought in for a visit before they signed B.W. Webb instead for a similar contract, is playing really well in the slot. And you've got a couple new starters at the corner position that are playing well. So tell me about those corners. Tell me about Quinn and Williams, the can't-miss prospect, so I can try to convince Bengals fans that Chase Young isn't the answer for the number one pick. Okay, uh, so depending on when you were reading this on Twitter, trashing the Jets' corners, it may have been accurate uh, because as of a few weeks ago, the Jets' corners were playing terribly and they've had a few lineup changes. Uh, Trumaine Johnson, who I don't know any other way to say it, it was an all-time free agent bust, uh, went on IR. And Daryl Roberts, who was a guy who's a veteran journeyman, and the Jets signed him to be a starter this year. And he, like... Pretty much the only guy who did not realize that this guy was not starter material was Mike McCagden, the former general manager, because like every fan was like, Are you, you can't go into the season with Roberts starting. It's been bad. It was bad. Uh, now, Poole was a guy the Jets signed to slot corner. He's been really good, and he was he was probably the strongest point. I think one of the things I had to be careful of on Lockdown Jets was saying the Jets have nothing at outside corner because Poole was good in the slot, but... Uh, you know, injuries have forced a couple lineup changes. Um, Bless Austin, who was a sixth round pick out of Rutgers, stepped into the, the lineup. And this was a guy who was kind of off the radar. He had torn ACLs his last two seasons at Rutgers. So he barely played his last two years of college. And he stepped into the lineup uh, a few weeks ago. It was actually a bench. They benched Nate Harrison, who was playing really poorly. And he's gone in and played pretty effectively. And Arthur Molette, who... I told you before we started recording, I watched this guy in preseason. I said, this guy's one of the five worst corners I've ever seen. Like, he didn't look like he could cover at all, but he's been pretty effective, too. And, you know, the one thing I'd say is these guys have not been tested a ton. Uh, You know, teams have not really gone after them much. But I I will say this. These guys are not afraid of being physical. And these guys are not afraid of helping out and run support, uh, tackling. And there's no question. Look, I don't know whether either of these guys is long-term starters for the Jets. But there's no question they've been an upgrade. Now, you know, as far as Quinn and Williams goes, it's been a bit of a slow start for him. Uh, he suffered an injury the first game of the season. He's not putting up a ton of numbers, but I would note that I think, feel like they're kind of playing him in a situation. They're, they're kind of playing him in a way to protect their linebackers. The Jets are missing 
both of the guys who were supposed to be their starting linebackers and they're missing you know, of their top five linebackers at the start of training camp. Four of them are out right now. Uh, so Jets are, I think they're using him a lot as a two gapper. Um, so they're not asking him to penetrate a lot. So as a result, he's not making many plays, but it's part of a defensive line that's been c- controlling the point of attack. And this is, you know, there's not many things about this Jets team that are elite right now, but their play against the run. This is an elite run stopping team. It's very tough to get going against them. Uh, they've shut down. Shut down a lot of good backs over the last few weeks. So Williams is contributing in that respect. It's still a work in progress, though, as a pass rusher in some other aspects of his game. And that's the only thing that's been working for the Bengals in recent weeks with Ryan Finley, worst quarterback in the NFL, literally the worst quarterback in the NFL starting for them the last three weeks. They've gotten the running game going. So that'll be something that'll be interesting to watch this week against the Jets. Why don't we start talking about things the other way around? I'll let you ask me some questions about what's going on with the Bengals. And then maybe at the end of the show, we'll talk predictions a little bit. We'll talk about what we expect out of the game. Attention past, present, and future MyBookie players. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. I know this is a Bengals podcast, but this is free money. Choose a team against the spread for up to $250, and if you win... Congratulations, you've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, well, congratulations to you as well because MyBookie will give you all your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally can't lose. It's no risk, all gravy, Joe. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code Locked On, and MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat. That's a guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply cannot lose. Go over to mybookie.ag, make your deposit with promo code locked on for that free deposit match. MyBookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Crossover Wednesday here on the Locked On Podcast Network, a crossover Locked On Jets, Locked On Bengals ahead of this Sunday's game between the Jets and the Bengals. This is John from Locked On Jets along with Jake from Locked On Bengals. So, Jake, I have to ask you about the Bengals quarterback situation because you start the year with Andy Dalton, Ryan Finley comes in, now Dalton's back in the mix. Uh, So what's going on with the Bengals at the most important position on the field? Dysfunction. In a word, dysfunction. Ryan Finley was a guy who in the preseason we watched have decent production. He looked decent in the pocket. He was willing to extend the play. He was willing to use his legs. While Andy Dalton early in the season looks like he maybe has lost a step. He's lost some of the baseline athleticism that he had because he was never a great athlete, but he was an okay athlete early in his career. It looks like some of that disappeared. The offensive line in pass blocking has been pretty miserable for much of the year. Clint Bowling, the left guard they lost to retirement. Jonah Williams, their first round top 10, top 11 pick. Supposed to start at left tackle. He's out for the year. Cordy Glenn just started his first game last week at left tackle. So the left side of the line of scrimmage in general for the Bengals has been a struggle. On the right side, you've got Bobby Hart, who the Bengals inexplicably signed to a $21 million three-year extension. He's been worse than last year when he was one of the worst starting right tackles in the league. And at right guard, they've had some injury issues with John Miller, who's generally been a bit of an upgrade, but hasn't been better than average. 
So the offensive line situation in the pass blocking has made things hard on the quarterbacks, but Andy Dalton just couldn't get it going this year, given when A.J. Green doesn't play, Andy Dalton turns from about a league average quarterback into a, about a backup quarterback from a production perspective, but even still just looks rattled, looked like a shell of his former self, especially as the year wore on, the hits accumulated, and then he got benched pretty unceremoniously, and he wasn't very happy about it because it happened apparently just a few hours before the trade deadline, and he said he would have liked there to have been more time, so he and his agent could have tried to work out a trade, but it is tumult, it is reactionary. There's been a lot of outcry in Cincinnati this week about Zach Taylor continuing to say, we're trying to just win a game and then running Ryan Finley out there at quarterback. In the last two games they've played against Oakland and against Pittsburgh, a lot of Bengals fans feel like if they had Andy Dalton on the field, they probably win those games. So let me ask you a little bit about Zach Taylor and the views around him, because I have to tell you, you know, this offseason, there were a number of teams that made coaching hires where I said, man, I don't understand that. And I, I will say this, you know, Bengals fans who think, uh, think I'm like taking a cheap shot at your team, one of those hires that made no sense to me was the Jets hi- my, my Jets hiring Adam Gaze. So, mm-hmm. I mean, no disrespect by any of that. But what's the view about Taylor in Cincinnati? It kind of came down to Taylor and Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. And when it was Bieniemy, we were pretty excited about that idea. And then it was Zach Taylor. And we were like, okay, what's going on here? What? So, Zach Taylor never called plays, called plays in the NFL for Miami for a few weeks called plays for the University of Cincinnati, and it went really badly for him. It was Tommy Tuberville, Tommy Tuberville's last year for the Bearcats in Cincinnati. So his experience as a play caller wasn't the best. He was part of a staff in Miami that got decent production out of Ryan Tannehill, but Miami wasn't a good team when he was there. And then the Rams, so he's, a, he's an important part of Jared Goff playing well as far as we know. You see this year, Jared Goff is playing terribly. It looks like the league as a whole has kind of figured out the McVay system. And Taylor, with the inexperience, was a guy coming in that a lot of people think has a bright future. And a lot of people still think he has a bright future. But a lot of people also thought that he would need some time to figure it out and some time to settle into the head coaching responsibilities of an NFL team. And that has certainly seemed to be the case. It It's a lot of saying the right thing and then just not really getting results and despite everything that he's saying you definitely see some cracks uh in the coaching staff especially on the defensive side of the ball in the locker room the way some of the players are handling you know even the Andy Dalton benching for example on social media Joe Mixon just yesterday when they announced that Dalton was starting tweets LFG hashtag red rifle so he's very excited wasn't on board with Ryan Finley being the starter so Definitely some issues happening. I think that most Bengals fans are probably okay with giving him another year, but I think also this is very similar to what we went through with Dave Shula in the early 90s, and a lot of people wouldn't be mad if Taylor didn't come back. So I guess on that note, do you think Dalton's return to the the lineup will give the Bengals any sort of emotional spark in this game? It'll be interesting to see if A.J. Green comes back this week. I think if both of those guys are back in the lineup at the same time, then you can start to see maybe a spark on the offensive side of the ball because the defense the last two weeks, given against two teams that are struggling a little bit right now, I know you, the Jets played the Raiders last week, held them to three points, 
The Bengals held the Raiders to 16 points, I think, maybe 17 points. And then they hold the Steelers, who are maybe the worst offense in the league that's not the Bengals right now, to 16 points. So the defense is feeling a little bit good. Dalton by himself coming back, maybe a small spark. He's certainly a better quarterback than Ryan Finley. He can actually make NFL throws at at least an average level, whereas it looks like Ryan Finley's out there throwing paper airplanes. But I think the biggest spark that could happen this week for the Bengals is of A.J. Green. Uh, gets back on the field and it looked like he was close again he's had a couple setbacks and a really long recovery from a high ankle sprain so i i think you know, green is a name a household name in the nfl who are some of the other offensive weapons to watch for the bengals the guys that are stepping up this year Auden tate seventh round pick you might remember him in the draft last year because he was a crazy productive player at florida state and he's huge but he ran slow at the combine, and, and that leads Auden Tate to being a seventh-round pick. And Auden Tate this year, go go onto Twitter and do a video search for Auden Tate, and he just is a highlight reel of catches. And some of that is because the passes coming to him aren't great, but his body control, his ability to high point, his ability to catch the ball away from his body at 6'5 or 6'7, I can't remember off the top of my head, but he's, he's built like a tight end, a light tight end, he weighs about 230, 225, and he's big. So it'll be interesting to see that matchup for me with the physical Jets corners you talked about, seeing how that plays out with Auden Tate because he's been one of the more productive receivers for the Bengals uh, with A.J. Green out. Besides that, I think most people probably are also familiar with Tyler Boyd, who almost willed the Bengals to a win against the Steelers before he fumbled in the red zone, which was just an unfortunate play, good play, by Devin Bush from the Steelers. And then the other guy that's stepped up a little bit of wide receiver is Alex Erickson, who's shown that he is an NFL receiver. If you have Alex Erickson as your fifth receiver, you feel pretty good about that. He's got a lot of speed. He's been reliable, good hands, not a lot of drops. Although with increased reps, he has seen a bit of a drop issue this year. The real problem is the offensive line, as I talked about earlier. Joe Mixon, who led the AFC in rushing last year, He's just not gotten it going offensively until the last couple of weeks, really. And we just keep waiting. Joe and I talk about a lot that Mixon should be used a lot more as a receiving back, and he just doesn't get those opportunities. But a big reason for that is that he's a poor or disinterested pass blocker. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Who are some of the key players on the on the Bengals there? Well, we thought that this list would be longer than it ended up being for the Bengals but so far this year the only guys that are really performing at a high level are Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap and Dunlap is playing just about as well as he has he's an above average 4-3 defensive end Geno Atkins has lost a step he's no longer the elite elite top of the league defensive tackle three tech that he was for the early part of his career now that he's in his 30s but he's still very good he's still in the top I don't know, 15 or so of three techs in the NFL, and he can still create a lot of pressure on his own. Looking at those two matchups for those two guys, I would say that the defensive line might give the Jets some problems this week. Carl Lawson came back off injury. He looks like he's starting to find a little bit of momentum as a pass rusher. So those three are the guys that are the pass rushing weapons. The defensive line on the whole, though, the last two weeks has played great. The Bengals' nose tackle situation is one of the best in the league somehow, despite how bad the run defense has been on the whole. 
with Andrew Billings, who came out of Baylor a couple of years ago. He's in a contract year playing really, really well. Incredibly strong, a little bit short, especially in the arms. So he has some tackle radius issues, but very, very strong, often pushing the pocket, disrupting running plays. And then the backup nose tackle, Josh Tupo, kind of a journeyman signing, has been excellent this year. And my favorite play, one of my favorite plays this year is Josh Tupo, this 300 and some odd pound man, nose tackle, makes an open field tackle on Lamar Jackson at the line of scrimmage. And just imagine that. The, the players we've seen Lamar Jackson shake or outrun this year gets caught by a 300 and some odd pound nose tackle. And my last question is just if you're the Jets offensive coordinator, how would you attack this defense? And you know, what are the strengths, what are the weaknesses, things you should attack, things you should stay away from? The linebacker play has generally been pretty bad this year. There's been a bit of an uptick in the last two weeks, particularly for Nick Vigil, but the Bengals cut their other starter that they extended last offseason in Preston Brown. So the second level is generally where you probably want to go. Pretty effective early in the year was outside running, getting horizontal, challenging the Bengals sideline to sideline. They just didn't have the speed for it. The return of Darquez Denard at slot corner has solidified the edge a little bit for them. And Carlos Dunlap has played a little bit better too. But the other, the, the linebackers, just they're just not very good. So if the defensive line doesn't make the play in the running game, there is certainly some success available for Le'Veon Bell. Outside of that, I would go after B.W. Webb. He's had some issues generally. I think that's where you want to go outside. And the, the interesting thing that you mentioned earlier is with Jamison Crowder being the primary weapon for the Jets, the best Bengals player in the secondary is easily Darquez Denard so far this year in the slot, so that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. But yeah, Sam Darnold, he he could find some running lanes. He could pick on the outside corners if he wants, particularly B.W. Webb. If you guys happen to catch the Bengals in their inverted cover too that they've been caught on a few times this year with the post, that's essentially a free touchdown uh, most of the time because the corners just haven't handled it well on the back end. So those are some things I would look at. I would say tight ends, but we talked about Ryan Griffin earlier, and I guess that's just not somebody that you would use to pick on the Bengals. Uh, I mean, if the Bengals don't cover him like the rest of the league, maybe they can. Maybe <laughs> sneak a, a touchdown out of him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's been kind of the invisible man in the, the sense that uh, he just keeps getting open. I can't figure out how, but he keeps doing it. You can scheme guys open in the NFL and tight end in the red zone. That's a pretty easy one to do sometimes. So should we get into our predictions for the game? How are you feeling about this one? You know, I said a couple of weeks ago that I felt like the Redskins game was the only game remaining on the Jets schedule. It would shock me if they lose. But after the last few weeks, I mean, they just put in a couple of strong performances. So I actually think this is a game the Jets, I would expect the Jets to win this game. I think it's, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it'll be a tight game, but I'm thinking maybe like something like 20 to 17, the Jets pull it out. I think the 34 point streak ends. I would expect, I expect a good effort from the Bengals, but I think the Jets pull it out in the end. I think that you may be overselling the Bengals defensive capabilities there with 20 points because they, despite having two good performances in a row, those are very bad offenses. And you just saw, I mean, the Jets put up 34 on Oakland. The Bengals only scored 10 on Oakland. So I, I think that it's a little bit wider than that. But it's hard for me to really get into predicting this game without knowing if A.J. Green is going to play. 
That is the big wild card. If Green plays, then the Bengals might actually score some points. If he doesn't play, then I think something like 27-17 could be in the realm of possibility. I don't see it being particularly close, but the Bengals have lost a lot of one-score games, so maybe you call it 20-27 to to keep with the theme of maybe a late touchdown or something just to make it interesting, but I don't see this as a very winnable game for the 0-11 Bengals. All right, well, Jake, here's the better seasons ahead. I mean, the Jets are on a winning streak, but overall it's been a disappointing year for them, and I know it's been a rough year in Cincinnati, so... Maybe a couple of years from now, we'll be doing this before a playoff game. Yeah, that'd be fun, right? Give us a couple of years. Give us some wins. Give us something that makes at least late November interesting. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Darnold against, who knows, Burrow, one of the quarterbacks this year. Should be fun. It will be fun. That would be fun. Well, until then, John, it's been, a, it's been real. We'll see you on Sunday. Hopefully, we have a nice, clean game of football that's entertaining for all that view it.